Before we get ready for today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com, Draft in your app store, is a great way to play fantasy sports. And right now, they have NFL best balls going and going strong. Go check it out. It's a great way to play. You draft. You don't worry about it. They take your best scores each week. It's a ton of fun. Use promo code SD Sports when you check out, and you'll get entry into a free $3 best ball tournament. So go check it out. Draft in your app store, draft.com, promo code SD Sports when you check out, and enjoy a great, fun way to play fantasy sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 106. Going to talk some fantasy football. I'm do it from a consistent angle. And consistently, we had this guy on, on the podcast last year. Does a great job in the fantasy football world. Uh, big guy, fantasy sports. Many have heard, heard of their great website. We've uh, talked to a few of their contributors. And like I said before, we have talked to Mr. Bob Lung. You can find him on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. Bob, how are we doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to be back with the show. Man, 106 episodes, man. That, that's, uh, that's that's a long time. That's I, you, I'm proud of you, man. That's good stuff. Thanks, man. It's just plugging along. Uh, some Most weeks I'll, put, I'll do double duty, and some weeks I'll take a week off. Depends on what's going on. But, uh, yeah. you know, with baseball midseason, we got football cranking up. It's time to get back at it. So that's why we're here to talk some fantasy football with you. And you are Mr. Consistency. You've been doing this for how many years now, Bob? Oh, wow. Well, I've been writing about consistency since 2002. So basically 16th, 17th year here. Been playing fantasy football since 1985. So um, I'm one of the old schools uh, guys here in, in this world, but uh, just love doing it. Love, uh, you know, sharing this knowledge that I kind of have gained from putting consistency in play for my leagues and playing against other experts across the, the country and the world. And, you know, it's been very successful for me and a lot of people are starting to kind of catch on now and I'm glad and the book's selling well and the website's doing well. So it's just great to kind of be here and share that with all the folks. And let's talk about the book, uh, the 2018 consistency guide by Bob Long and Justin Mother can tribute is in there. And we talked about big guy, fancy sports is the place where you can go find it. Big guy. FantasySports.com. Great information in this. What year of the book is this? You said it been 2002? Well, no. The book is actually only three years old. Um, okay. The book, um, and, and if you want the hard copy, the printed copy, because I can't, uh, I, I don't have my own printing press here, but the printed copy you can get off Amazon. Just search for the 2018 Fantasy Football Consistency Guide. You can get it off there, off Amazon. You can get the hard copy uh, that way, then on the website is the whole package where you can get the consistency report, go on there, put in your own scoring method, that kind of stuff. Um, the guide is there. It's updated. Uh, the tier draft list is updated. Everything's there for you. But uh, going back to the book. So 
Oh, I'd say, let's say five, six, seven years ago. Um, I've always been asked once a year by some, maybe one, maybe two of the typical fantasy books that you're buying off the book stand somewhere in a Barnes and Nobles or Books a Million or whatever that you're going to, um, or even a Walmart. And you see all the fantasy books there. And somebody always asked me, hey, you know, would you like to share your consistency stuff in the book? And I said, great. And I would write an article and put it in there. But a few years back, I was trying to push some people to say, hey, you know, I have this idea that in those profiles that people, you guys do for all these player profiles, what if we could add some consistency information in there as an added bonus? And a lot of them thought the idea made sense, but it was just squeezing it into that very little space that they already have taken up a lot of information with. And so, you know, I guess, sadly, um, it didn't come to fruition, but on the positive side of it, I went, what if I wrote my own damn book, you know? So why don't I just put my own player profiles with my own consistency information? And I, you know, and then of course kind of found out how Amazon does it and how you can get it printed and, you know, found out all the rules and regulations of getting a book in place. And so I started that in 2015 and, um, you know, mild sales, a little bit better sales the year after and the year after. And, you know, so it's growing now and, Last year was, uh, you know, chosen, you know, there was a point where it was actually ranked number one under fantasy sports for best, uh, you know, for best selling guide. Um, always battling out with my buddy Joe Pisapia and his fantasy black book. But, hey, the guy's got 11 years in a row, number one. It's kind of hard to beat him out. But I, I did for a little bit of a time and, and got to hold that title briefly. But uh, um, but his book's great as well. And, uh, you know, then got nominated for, uh, you know, by the fantasy sports writers of America for the finalists for best guide. And it's just as blown up from there. Uh, Chi Chi war room chose my guide as the best of the year from their perspective. Um, so it's just, you know, somebody said, wow, this overnight success is awesome for you. And I said, yeah, but it took 16 years for my overnight exactly. success, but you know what? Uh, maybe that's just the way it was supposed to go. And I'm okay with that. And, like I said, I, I love doing it and love putting it out. And so, yeah, the book's really only about three years old. And, and it's a great story. Like you said, you've been working on what is the reputation is the right word because you built that way before 16 years. I call it street cred. In, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, like your ability to get this whole thing running. And it's a great story to tell. There's so many new writers. These, every right. year we see so many. And they're always looking, you know, how am I going to make money? How am I going to do this? And it takes time. You have to well, be willing to put the, the work in. And well, and time. you have to come up with something different. Um, yes, you know, every, consistency every, is different. Right. And, you know, that was the whole idea when I did this was nobody else was doing it. It was my mm-hmm. idea. Um, there was a few people like Tristan Cockroft has always put some stuff out on ESPN. And, you know, every site has their twist and turn on it. But I made it all about it, you know, and, and I did it 100 percent all in, you know, trying to create different numbers, different ways, you know, trying to almost put it, I mean, there's no way you're going to get football into the fanalytic scenario of baseball because there's just not enough staff to Mm -hmm. do it. But that was my thing. I mean, one of my idols, I guess, and my mentor as well was Rob Chandler in this whole thing who, you know, I just happened to know through a baseball uh, webs or a fantasy bulletin board site. And I showed him what I was doing and he's like, you know, stay with it. He goes, there was years I wanted to quit and years I wanted to give up and people, I didn't think people cared. And he goes, and then, you know, 20 years later, I've, you know, I'm selling 
a $28 Bugatti every year, mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's one of the best in the industry and still is, even though he's not associated as much with it. And, you know, that was my thing. He's like, do what, you know, do what you're doing. You've got something unique. You have something different, expand on it, share it. And that's what I would tell any writers who have asked me, like, what should I do? I'm like, find a different twist. I go, you can't just mm -hmm. write and say, Le'Veon Bell is good and expect people to go, Oh my gosh, he's a genius. Um, you know, it's just not going to fly. I mean, and you can, you know, and I've seen people, they've certainly been bringing out yep. some different twists and stats and, you know, points out, you know, yards after catch and, you know, targets and, you know, every year there's, they're finding new things and that's it. That's the way to do it is finding those trends that you can kind of use to be effective, to have that edge when you go into your draft and use it as part of your draft arsenal. You know, I always said, my thing is not all encompassing. Don't just take this. You know, get other statistics, get other websites, get other things. You know, I'll never say that I'm better than Fantasy Alarm or Roto Experts or Fantasy Guru. I'm not. I, I, I'm, you know, I said, I'm always, I always feel like I'm the fries in the Happy Meal. <laughs> you know, it's still a story. If you can't learn from other people, well, right. then you're probably fool yourself and just putting blinders on because there's always something to be learned by someone else at all absolutely. times. Absolutely. No, and, and that's it, you know, and people will share with me ideas like, you know, hey, I was, I was thinking about this and what do you think about that? And I'm like, yeah, no, that makes great sense and I could see that happening. And, you know, so I learn from them, they learn from me and that's, you know, kind of the fun of what this industry has become because really it's been a bunch of people like us, you know, who uh -huh. started with their own ideas and their own things. I mean, Matt, Matthew Barry started just like you and I, you know, just had his own website, created his own idea. And next thing you know, he's the man on ESPN. Mike Clay is, you know, uh, all these guys have all started at the same spot you and I have. And, you know, that just always gives me hope that yeah, maybe someday when I'm 75, I'll be on ESPN as well. No, probably not. But. <laughs> on the Oak Show. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's a great point. And, and definitely people need to, to look into that. And let's talk about, your consistency guide. And I don't want to give away all the secrets, obviously, because no, people need to purchase this, this great guide. But I just want to kind of get a, a rough idea, if you can explain, what are you looking for with consistency? What are you trying to accomplish with your consistency guide when you're evaluating your talent? Right. To me, there's really two aspects of, of consistency. It's identifying the players who um, are consistent, but don't score as many points as people, you know, everybody kind of focuses on how many points did they score last year and where did they rank? So, you know, if this guy was top five in fantasy points last year, then he must be awesome. And he could be, but let's pull in the consistency. Was that guy also consistent with scoring those points and the consistency factor combined with the top five scoring? So if he's top five in consistency and top five in scoring, then yes, you have a, you have a complete player and that's what you're after. But on the other side, if you have a guy that scores really high points is inconsistent, then now this is what I'm trying to show people is don't just look at that total points. Don't just look at that factor. Look at this factor and combine it and say, you know, hmm, this guy's scored a lot of points, but he's inconsistent. Or this guy didn't score as many points um, as his, his numbers would show, but he had the consistency that offset that. So he's probably undervalued going to the draft because everybody else has him way down. So it's really the inconsistent and consistent players and identifying those for people to add that to their draft prep to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to stay away from Cam Newton or I am going to be looking at a guy like Mike Evans who might be 
better than, you know, his numbers overall showed last year. So that's the kind of stuff that the whole consistency guide's all about. Yeah, and, and a great way to utilize this guide from what I've looked at in the past is, you know, like you said, anybody can say Lev Bell's good. Well, anybody can go to an ADP list and go, okay, here's the 10th, 11th, and 12th wide receivers getting drafted. Right. Now you go to the guide and you can differentiate on which really separates the three. That might be a little underlying that you've broken down by position in your book. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big factor to it. Yep, yep, definitely. Uh, let's talk about a couple players that uh, many might not think are consistent, maybe not the greatest players. Maybe that means they're later <laughs> round draft picks or whatever. But when you really look at it, they're kind of the more safe, consistent ball players you want on your roster to fill those kind of last few spots. Yeah, so I'll just kind of go a couple examples by position. So um, believe it or not, last year, the most consistent quarterback that played more than eight games. So we're taking out Deshaun Watson and we're taking out Aaron Rodgers because they only played seven. The guy who was the most consistent at 75% last year was Matthew Stafford. Now, Matthew Stafford right now is sitting probably quarterback 10, 11, 12 in most drafts. Probably not even, you know, some people may even overlook him and pick a Jared Goff or, you know, somebody like that ahead of him because there's, quote, more upside. Uh, but Stafford has just been he, – he's, he's never been super, super consistent. In fact, this past year at 75%, that's actually been his best year ever. But he's always in that 65 to 75. So, you know, you get him as your backup, and you might have him as your starter for most of the season, if especially if, like, like I had – I was in a league where I had Aaron Rodgers and had Stafford as my backup. Stafford still got me to the playoffs after Rodgers went down because he was very consistent the second half of the year – really helped me through the, those tough times. So he's a guy that a lot of people don't think about, but uh, definitely is as well. Um, at the running back position, uh, you know, there was, believe it or not, the, the one of the most consistent guys last year was, um, you know, a lot of people probably don't think about was Carlos Hyde, but that was in San Francisco and now he's in Cleveland. So it's, it's a tough one to judge. But um, one of my the guys who his numbers didn't look bad, and um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about him and see if you can guess who it is. So he ended the season ranked 16th in total points. His consistency was 63%, which ranked him also around 16th. But I'll bet you his ADP is probably outside of RB, outside the top 24. But in the games where his quarterback actually played, his, start, his regular starting quarterback till he tore his ACL – Five out of those six games that that player played when that quarterback was on the field, he was five of six for clutch games, 80% consistency. And I'm talking about Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller, when Watson was on the field, was almost perfectly consistent in those games. But when Watson went off the field and the quarterback situation was a disaster, the only person who was really doing any scoring in that league, in that team at that point was Hopkins. Um, because the you know the defense was a mess, they lost Watts. I mean, it was just a whole whole mess there. But you know, this year he's outside the top twenty-four. I'm drafting him as my RB three in most leagues so far. Um, after I have a good consistent two, and you know he'll be my flex guy, and I can see him starting off hot. And I've also dr- drafted usually you know Dante Foreman just to be safe at the end of the year if they just if something happens they might put him in, but. Lamar Miller is uh, kind of my guy that's kind of grossly under undervalued at this point as well. Um, at the wide receiver position, um, 
a guy that was actually top um, top 12 in both consistency and total points last year was Marvin Jones. And a lot of people, again, going back to Detroit, don't think about that. Everybody thinks Golden Tate. Golden Tate wasn't far behind. He was only one clutch game behind. But Marvin Jones is right up there as well. And then a tight end, one of my favorite guys every year is Kyle Rudolph. Back-to-back seasons, 75% consistency in both years. Um, even Gronk didn't do that. So, you know, that's a guy who's going in seventh, eighth round in most PPR drafts at this point. Um, you know, they bring in a, a probably a better quarterback in Kirk Cousins, but a guy that certainly loved his tight end in Jordan Reed in Washington. So, um, again, he'll probably be on a lot of my teams because I can load up on wide receivers and running backs and maybe a quarterback in the first six rounds and then grab Kyle Rudolph in his consistency in the seventh. So that's kind of the guys that, you know, I feel like are a little undervalued at this point, each position. No, I love that. Uh, I think the Kyle Rudolph calls great because people like to reach on their tight ends and he's always sitting there in the middle rounds where you can definitely jump on that one. Uh, so I love that a lot. Uh, well, especially, couple- especially with guys like Gronk and Ertz and Kelsey that are all going to second, third round this year. And I'm like, crazy. I just can't do that. I mean, they're good and they'll score, you know, they'll score three or four points more on average per week than Rudolph will. But the consistency was almost the same. Kelsey and them were 80%. Rudolph is a 75. That's not much of a difference for five, four or five rounds. Exactly. Who you could be drafting in that round compared mm-hmm. to the round seven is completely washes that away. Right. So definitely something to look at there. Um, and the question marks like Gronk and everything, different story. Uh, who are a couple kind of maybe picks that go early in the draft that people think are kind of, oh, this is this is good to go. This is what this guy does. This is why he's drafted high. That in reality maybe just had like a fluky year or really isn't that consistent a player. Well, my poster child for that is one Cam Newton. So Cam Newton <laughs> last year was third, third in total points overall. And yet his consistency was 44%. Now, in layman's terms, what that means is only 44% of the games that he played in was he scoring enough points to be worthy of a QB1 status. That is pitiful. And when you have a guy like that who at the end of the year puts up big numbers when he is big, but then has duds week after week outside of that, that's when you sit at the end of the year with your team and you go, how the hell was I the second highest scoring team in the league and my team didn't make the playoffs? That's why. <laughs> I, I got a question with Cam. Now, the way you described that is he was third in points with 44th consistency. Now, obviously, we're going to keep talking about season-long stuff there. But if you're going on a DFS angle, is that, like if you see something like that, you know, he's kind of a boomer bust guy. Is that what you were mm-hmm. kind of looking at there? Right. Okay, so um, you can you, so you, look for so many yeah, reasons. You know, so, you know, as you mentioned with the guide – so one of the things that the all the profiles in the guide has is the how they do home and away. So kind of like I call them game scenarios. So how okay. do they do home and away and then against a good defense, bad defense? So for a perfect example, not Cam Newton, but I'll, I'll bring up Ben Roethlisberger. At home, his consistency is 90%. On the road, 45 e. So there's a guy when you're looking at DFS go, well, he's playing at home. And when he's playing at home against anything other than a top 10 defense, 
he's perfectly 13 for 13 consistency wise. So there's like DFS that, so you can use this guide for DFS purposes as well. In fact, our good friends, uh, you know, Colby and, and Ron, uh, Ron Rigney and Colby Conway do a whole thing about how using consistency in cash games can really help you out. And they were very successful in that, but you know, Cam Newton, um, here's the problem. Cam Newton is inconsistent in every game scenario. So his best is 67%, and that's at home against an average defense. At home against a bad defense. So you're talking about bottom 10 defenses, only 55% over the last three years combined. And on the road against a bad defense, he's exactly the same, 54%. So that's the thing is Cam is – when Cam won the MVP – his consistency was less than Matthew Stafford's was last year. (laughs) So even when he was number one in fantasy points, he still missed five clutch games. That's how inconsistent this guy is. I won't touch him in any round. (laughs) Yeah, because eventually eventually it's going to really fall apart, basically, and that's going to be a time to be there. Uh, last question for specifically for the book, per se, and you have a whole chapter on it that people can read up on. Uh, and, and I want to know, like, how do you evaluate rookies' inconsistency? Because obviously, we don't have the years of NFL knowledge to use for the consistency factor. So, how do you evaluate them when you draft them, or do you just not draft them at all? Well, I draft very few of them. I'll have you know. Um, so, as you mentioned in the guide, and I've done this every year in the guide, um, I started tracking the stats. I went back to 2010, um, and I just did the first four rounds. And, of course, only the positions, quarterback, running back, uh, wide receiver, and tight end. And so in the guide, you know, it, it shows you, you know, the buy rounds and, and how they were drafted by rounds, et cetera. Um, and then what it does is it says, you know, it shows that, you know, so since 2010, in the first four rounds, those four positions, there have been 340 of those players drafted. Then I break down and say, how many of them in their rookie season exceeded just a 60% clutch rating? So that's good, not great, but 60%, which is above average. And only 30 of them have made that cut. That's 8.82% overall. Now, the running backs double that number at 17%. So the running backs have been more successful coming into the league. Hence, guys like Zico Elliott and Love Bell, you know, those kind of guys. And so, you know, when I look at this, I go, okay, I can see Saquon Barkley having that potential to be over 60% consistent. He's coming to the right team, right situation. He'll get the touches. There's really no competition. You know, no, he's not coming into an offensive line like Zeke did a couple of years ago, but it's still the right opportunity. But what it also shows is guys like, Royce Freeman, Rashad Penny, um, those kind of guys in eh, questionable situations, not the best. We don't know what to expect. Are they in the right system? Those are the guys that seem to fail more often than not. Those are the guys I stay away from. Now, if I'm drafting and I got Saquon Barkley sitting in front of me, 10th pick overall, I'll probably draft him because, yeah, I think he's got that potential. Um, but in the fourth, fifth round, and I'm looking for my RB2, I'm probably picking Lamar Miller, Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins before I'm going to pick one of those rookies. That's how I evaluate them. That's what the numbers show that has been the kind of the 
trend for them is that they may slip through. I mean, there may be one of those guys, maybe Royce Freeman becomes, you know, a top 10 back this year. It's certainly possible, but he could also be, you know, nowhere and be 40% consistent and kill you. And there's always going to be some that just, you know, break the mold. And that's just, that's the beauty of sports. Right, like Kamara. Yeah. It's yeah, just how it works. But, <laughs> right. but, I'm with, but I'm with you. Like, you know, the Saquon Barkley, the Ezekiel Elliott, they just, they're a different level of rookie compared to others. And I get nothing, I get no more satisfaction in like a home draft. And we're all sitting around a table and I watch a guy walk to the board, in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round or whatever. And they go take that rookie wide receiver or they go and take the running back. I'm just like, Oh, thank you. You just made it so much easier just to take my next pick. Like, yeah. you didn't take the obvious choices. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take the shiny new toy. <laughs> exactly. No, and it's it. It's the shiny new toy. And, you know, and it's funny because when I compete in these expert leagues, I see a lot of these guys take that risk. And I know what they're doing. They're, they kind of take the, I call it the Matthew Berry effect of, let me pick some shiny new toy. And then at the end of the year, if it works, then I can brag about how I knew the shiny new toy would work. What you won't hear about is when the shiny new toy doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I always say, I'd rather what it is. Yeah, and I always say at the end of the year, you know, I'd much rather say, you know what, Alex Collins was consistent last year, didn't you know, got injured, or maybe there was something happened with Baltimore that just they didn't it didn't work into the plan, than to say, well, I took a shot on this rookie hoping that he would be great. Because I have exactly. nothing to base that on. At least I know Alex Collin proved that he could be consistent last year, or Kenny and Drake could be consistent. I don't know what these kids could do when they come in in that system. In you know, because just because they're great in college doesn't mean that you know Joe Mixon was a pretty example last year. How high did he go in a lot of drafts? He was second, third round, and everybody was all about Joe Mixon and how great he's going to be and all oh, this and that. I didn't have Joe Mixon on any of my teams, and I was so happy. Yep. Yeah, there's always a handful of those. And uh, we take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy, all the stuff they have coming out. And there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones. But everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys... If you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's talk about some players now. We can kind of put some consistency twists on them and just kind of talk situations. And one I didn't put on the outline, but I saw you tweet about him earlier today, I believe it was, and you've already mentioned him two or three times. And as a Dolphins fan, I have to ask, <laughs> uh, Kenyon Drake, you're you're yep. a big supporter of him. I loved what he did last year, yep. but it seems like they just don't want to give him the job. They went and, and made a, and picked an early running back in the draft. They have um, Frank Gore, who everyone's talking up all of a sudden because, you know, apparently at – 40 something years old he can still be a star running back in the nfl i don't see it but somehow he can yeah um, can you explain to us what you're seeing in Kenyon drake that's saying yes i can go with this 
Well, first off, as you said, <clears throat> I don't know how Adam Gaze can how how he couldn't have watched that second half of last year and go, yeah, this kid can do it. This kid's got it. I think the Frank Gore thing is Frank Gore is basically going to be let go out, out of Indianapolis. He certainly wasn't the future. Um, he has a relationship with Adam Gase from back in the San Francisco days. And Gase picked him up, and I think he brought him in as a mentor um, slash, you know, give him a few, you know, spells here and there just to give him a break. He may use him as a goal line back because he's obviously Frank Gore and he's a beast. Um, I can't imagine that Adam Gase is going to go – him go 50 50 with these guys i mean that's just not this just doesn't make sense he saw last year that drake was the better of all those guys with you know damian williams and all those players you know the early draft pick again I, my thought was i for whatever reason they like that kid that's fine um you know maybe they just felt like well this, if drake doesn't work out then i guess we'll we'll have another young you know guy in the backfield but and my thought is, is that Gase is smart enough as an offensive coordinator to know that you got to put your best player out there. That is Kenyon Drake. He showed his consistency. He showed that he was worthy. He could catch passes out of the backfield. He was a good player. I think he gets, you know, somebody asked me about the splits today in the tweet. I said, I got to believe it's 80, 20, um, you know, and, and again, a lot of it will be game flow. You know, if they're behind, he'll probably be in more because Frank Gore certainly not a pass catcher. But, you know, if it's fourth quarter and they're up two touchdowns, yeah, they might play Gore a little more and let him, you know, run the ball and, you know, grind it out for a few few series, maybe more than normal. But I think overall, I think you're going to see that Drake is going to be worth that RB2 guy that I have him at. No, I like that a lot because I agree. And, you know, Adam Gase really has to think about his future right now because, <laughs> yeah. you know, as, as, good, as, good, as good of an offensive mind as he is, there's a hot seat. They're turning guys over quickly in Miami for some yeah, reason. So right. he's, got, he's got to think about that too. Um, some of the big news that came down today is Le'Veon Bell. He's not yeah. going to sign an extension or a contract with Pittsburgh. He's going to eventually agree to the franchise tag, which he's very unhappy about, of course, because it stinks making $14.5 million. But um, yeah, it sucks. But obviously in the grand scheme, he thinks he's worth more than that on this game they play. But he's already flat out said, I'm probably not coming to camp. There's rumors he might sit out part of the season, half the season. And there's different stories for different folks. Right. But I, you can't blame him. Why waste your legs on a team that doesn't want to pay you, I guess, is the theory. Right. Um, what's your approach with a guy like Bill? Because most of us don't draft till closer to the season. We'll have a better idea on this. Right. But he's obviously one of the best in the game. He's still one of the top four running backs going off the board. How do you look at a left Bell in this situation? Well, you know, there was some other things I saw later in the day. Both came out from the GM of Pittsburgh and Bell himself. And it seemed like there was a kind of a kissy kissy makeup kind of uh, tweets back and forth of, oh, you know, I'm sorry we let you down, fans, but I'm going to be here for the Steelers, you know, and I know they're going to keep me long term because we're going to get this done. And so, you know, at this point, I. You know, but then on the other side, like you said, I saw his agent said that he was pretty much done in Pittsburgh. So I think it's just going to be a lot of the chess match of, you know, who's going to do what. I wouldn't be surprised if he holds out like he did last year and he'll come in late in the, late in the preseason. He's not going to go out and get himself hurt in preseason. He'll probably come in a week before the regular season starts like he did last year. Um, you know, that worked out well for the Browns because, you know, Browns held him to only like 32 yards rushing and they play them in week one again. So maybe Cleveland can upset him in week one. That's what I'm shooting for as a Browns fan. 
Um, but uh, um, I, I'm okay with him. You know, now if it gets the closer it gets, the more edgy everybody's going to be about it. I think at this point, let bygones be bygones. I'm going to draft him. You know, you know, number two, three, four, somewhere in there after Gurley. So, yeah. No, I, I agree because. We've had this issue with him for a couple of years now. He's okay, he's gonna miss a game or two. It didn't affect his draft position. No, <laughs> like he's right. still he's still that good. He's that much yeah. of a game changer. Right. You just go with it. I'm just curious to see how far, but I kind of agree with you where I could see him going, okay, fine, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna play, and they're gonna go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk Carolina Panthers. You know, Christian McCaffrey, some love him, some hate him. Great in PPRs, standard leagues, mm-hmm. a little different. No one ever thought he could carry the workload. Boom, here comes C.J. Anderson to save the day as the new Jonathan Stewart in Carolina. How do you approach these two when you're looking at, you know, maybe consistency or a draft? Uh, we'll, we'll go with, you know, PPR type leagues. Right. Well, I mean, I think anytime you're looking at a guy that comes in like that, you have to look at the value of when you're drafting him and what his ADP is. You know, McCaffrey's ADP is about where you expect it to be. I think it's third round, fourth round. PPR, I have no problem drafting him as an RB2 even though I've seen him ranked as an RB1 in some rankings. Um, that's a little too high for me. I don't think I can take that chance on him uh, as an RB1. But I'm drafting C.J. Anderson like it's my job at this point because he's going in rounds 12, 13, 14. Um, why would I not pick this guy? I mean, he probably will get the touchdowns, you know, the goal line carries. He's really not that bad of a back. I think he, you know, Denver was just a hot mess last year with that quarterback situation and you know they were trying to get Devontae Booker to be better than he was and he still isn't um and so I think C.J. Anderson just felt you know and and the Broncos felt it was time for him to move on Caroline said that's fine we just lost Jonathan Stewart he's old let's bring this kid in he's not that old he's I think he's only 27 right Uh, yeah yeah. he's he's 27 yeah. yeah so you know it's not like this kid is over the hill he's not 30 so I, I like I said, as long as his ADP value is in, in this range right now, I'm going to draft him every day of the week as my RB three, four, five. You know, depending on where he falls. Um, like I said, in Scott Fishbowl, I think I got him as my RB five. So I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, that's outstanding. I, I was always a big fan of John Stewart in that offense when he was healthy, and AKA what you have with CJ Anderson. Now, like you said. Um, he, Anderson's always been, in, for the most part, the time share, even if it's 60, 40, or maybe 70, 30. Mm-hmm. Right. So his legs are still fresh for a 27-year-old in theory. Yeah. Um, exactly. there, there's a lot to like about him, and we know how Carolina runs their offense. I don't see it strain too far from that. So I think it's great. Right now, according to Fantasy Pros, he's the 43rd running back off the board, yeah. one about pick 107. Yeah. So, yeah, you can definitely enjoy that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like I said, I think as he gets closer, as especially if preseason you see him running the ball well, his ADP will skyrocket. So, you know, if you're in drafts now like I am or if you're doing some of the big, you know, big expensive drafts, NFCs, uh, you know, or, or some of those, now might be the time to get in a draft and maybe grab some of those guys like him before the ADP gets too high. Yeah, because once camp starting a couple of preseason games, the talk will really start flowing, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, some interesting news I saw come out is I, I like JHI. I think he's a very talented quick back, kind of a Darren Sproles-esque, maybe a little bigger than Darren Sproles. Uh, Philadelphia is talking about making him a full-time power workhorse back. And I don't know if he's built for that. This isn't the Mountain West and Boise State anymore. This is a little different in the NFL. Uh, What's your thoughts on that? Because I'm worried it's going to take away value from him with that kind of workload. 
I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan of JHIA. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing personal. That's um, fine. I, I get, because it, my thought was, if, 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 he was if he was good, Miami wouldn't have let him go. Yeah, I've heard he's <laughs> so, a locker room problem. And yeah, so my thought was, you know, he's got these what did you know degenerate knees or whatever that are a problem. Um, you know, last year, you know, during the playoffs when he should have been the workhorse back, they still used Clement a lot. They you know used. Um, you know, they just never seem to feel comfortable that he could be the guy and his consistency is horrible. He was that year that he had the, what was it? Three, 200 yard games. Yeah. He was like my poster child that year instead of Cam Newton for inconsistency. And last year when everybody was drafting him in like the top two or three rounds, I didn't want anything to do with that guy. And, you know, again, I pat myself in the back for being right on that one, but um, you know, then he gets shipped off to Philly. Everybody thinks, okay, now he's on this team. They're two Super Bowl champs. He's going to be great. And, you know, that's just not Doug Peterson's thing. Doug Peterson likes to keep fresh legs out there. You know, he's kind of like a Belichick-esque kind of thinker, you know, you know, putting in the right plays and the right players and the right schemes. And it doesn't matter if you're Jay Ajay, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, whatever. If that gets fits at the time, that's who he puts in. And, and I don't see them making him a workhorse back. They can say it all they want, but until I see it, I'm not believing it, and I'm I'm staying away from him. Yeah, right now, Jai, the 21st running back, 45th overall. And you go down to Corey Clement, 46th back, 143. Would you rather take a chance on Clement or just leave the whole Philadelphia situation alone? Um, in a PPR, I've actually drafted Clement as like my you know running back five. Because, you know, if, if Vijaya gets hurt, but if those knees give out, then they're down to pretty much, <laughs> you know, Clement and, and Sproles and, you know, uh, was it Pomfrey or however you pronounce his name? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, they're going to just intertwine those guys. And Clement could, you know, Clement scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He for, almost would have been the MVP if it wasn't, wasn't for Foles. <laughs> yeah, that, that that backfield in Philly is interesting because Pumphrey out of San Diego State's a small little kind of feisty back. You got Ajay and you got Clement. They're, none of them are like world beaters, but they're all right. super talented. And right. you, like, you wouldn't be shocked if any game one of them had their moment. It's just right. one of those And teams. the amazing thing, yeah, I mean, I almost see that backfield like I see New England's backfield. Like yes. if you get the right guy at the right time, good for you, but you might as well just roll a dice <laughs> Yeah. To, to figure out who that's going to be that week because it, it you just never know. So, yeah, I'm kind of staying away from the backfield. Like you said, I have taken Clement late in some drafts as a, you know, just a backup just to see what happens. But, you know, I can see Clement being a good best ball guy. Oh, definitely for that. Um, let's talk about a quarterback who many are thinking might take that next step in year two now. Has a good new offensive coordinator. He's the 26th QB going off the board to pick 168, so maybe a super flex option, a backup option, or maybe we're just reading way too much into the changes. What are your thoughts on Mitchell, not Mitch Trubisky, in Chicago <laughs> these days? Um, the weapons are there. He's got options finally. He does. Um, again, I think he's one of those guys that I have to see it to believe it. Um, I didn't think much of him. In fact, I can't tell you how hard I was praying on draft day that the Browns were going to take him instead of, and, and I, I literally, I think I may have shed a tear when Chicago picked him number two overall. Um, I just wasn't a fan of his. 
Um, I don't follow college all that much, but he's a Cleveland kid. He's from our area. So there was a lot of hype about him coming back home, but the kid played in North Carolina. That's not where quarterbacks, you know, live and breathe. Um, I just don't, I don't know. It seemed like he really never showed much to, to give me any confidence that, okay, if he just had some weapons, he'd be okay. So I'm not buying, buying into it yet. Um, I'll stay away from him this year, see how he transcends. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's okay. There's a lot of other quarterbacks to draft, but um, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not, the only guy I'm really into this year in Chicago because of his value and his potential and, and who I think Trubisky's going to help is Jordan Howard because last year Jordan Howard couldn't get anything going because Trubisky was not ready and didn't get it going because they were trying to rely too much um, on that scenario. I think Jordan Howard's consistency will go back up. I'm drafting him as my RB2 in a ton of leagues right now. Um, I think that's who Trubisky's improvement will greatly affect more than anybody else, in my opinion, on that team. I like that call out. I was big on Howard last year, and I agree. When you look back at it, they would stray away or they turn into a passing game, and he, they, you know, he put the backup in or the little speedy, speedy man. So um, definitely took away from him. So I agree with you there. Tariq Cohen had a lot of fun last year. Um, and I, I think that gets cut back also. Everyone's on that bandwagon. But yeah. – Let's talk about Buffalo, and I don't want to talk about the situation legally because that's a whole nasty mess that we don't know the correct answers to. And um, we can go into that some other day when the the rules come out. Um, But let's say Shady doesn't play, and I think until it's handled, he probably shouldn't play. Uh, It's just there's way too much going on there. So Chris Ivey right now is the option. I thought maybe this was a great DeMarco Murray place. Obviously, he comes out and says he's retiring, but now there's stories coming out. Hey, there's still teams interested if you want to come play. And he's only played seven years. So the legs are still there, but I respect the fact that, you know, he says he wants to be with his kids. That's awesome. But Chris Ivey, we've seen flashes of goodness with New Orleans and the Jets from time to time, but nothing for a full-time load. What are we looking at with a guy like Chris Ivory? Is this somebody that, you know, if Shady's out, we're taking a chance on? Because Buffalo's going to be bad. Well, that's it, you know, and, and that's what I even said. So I updated the guide this weekend, and as I do all through preseason for any significant situations and changes. And my update in LaShawn McCoy's profile was I didn't like Buffalo's situation before this came out. I like it even less. Now, does that mean Chris Ivey has no value? No, he definitely has value because who else is going to run the ball? Um, you know, I feel like Buffalo is going to be, you know, the Cleveland Browns this year. They're going to get – if they win a game, I'll be shocked, to be honest with you. The, you know, they have a terrible, you know, offensive line. They now may not have McCoy, who's their only really talented person. They either have A.J. McCarron or um, – Josh. is it Josh Rosen? Um, yeah. Or is it no, Josh, uh, Allen? Josh uh, Allen? Josh Allen. Josh yeah, Allen. I always forget which one, which Josh. Um, so either way, they're basically starting a rookie. I mean, McCarron certainly hasn't played that much. Um, this situation is bad. But on the other hand, what that could usually mean is garbage time. So a guy like Chris yeah. Ivory, who can catch the ball in the backfield in a PPR league, he might end up getting 10 catches a game and, and maybe 100 yards in total offense because they're losing 35 to 10. Um, so I could see stuff like that happening that could make him worthwhile. Same way as maybe a guy like Kelvin Benjamin, 
um, who might, you know, see some, a bunch of targets too as well, Charles Clay. Um, so, you know, garbage time is doesn't, you know, there's no deduction for garbage time fantasy points. So that's the only thing I could see, you know, drafting them late, stashing them on your bench if it's deep enough. And then, you know, see what happens and, and see how that situation plays out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly. It's real ugly. And I'm glad you mentioned the garbage time because there's always teams like that. You know, a few years back with uh, the bears, you had Cutler and Brandon Marshall and all those oh, guys yeah. that would just the fourth quarter, all of a sudden they each have 20 plus points. You're like where the heck did that just come from all the time. It was <laughs> yeah. like clockwork. I had a guy Bortles in Jackson a few years ago. It was like that. That year yeah, when Bortles and Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns had a big year, all three had a big year. It's because their yeah. defense was awful and they were always playing from behind. Well, that's a great point. There's a, as ugly as a situation is, if the value dictates, yeah, you might be able to play. And uh, I agree. That's I one thing. I get and that, <laughs> exactly. That's one thing Ivory did was catch the ball out of the backfield. So right. you can check that out. Let's go to Tennessee, where another place where the offense is supposed to be better with Lafleur and Mariota taking the next step, so on and so forth. You know, all the good off-season storylines. Um, Derrick Henry, the guy, it's supposed to be the workhorse back this year. Is what they're saying. He's never had that load, obviously. It's always been a mix with DeMarco Murray. They bring in Deion Lewis, who was very, very good in New England and, for the most part, was the workhorse there in a New England style. Um, how do you look at a guy like Derrick Henry and how that's all going to play out there? Because you either love Derrick Henry or you hate Derrick Henry when it comes to fantasy <laughs> right now. Well, I, I'm, I'm one of the rare guys. I, I really – I'm kind of unbiased. Um, I really never had him, <laughs> so I never really – I never would draft him high enough because everybody would draft him too high, and I was like, okay, but – they have DeMarco Murray. Um, so I didn't hate him because he wasn't on my team. Most people would play him against me, and he wouldn't do anything, so I'd win. So then I liked him even more. So it was, yeah, I, it's a love. You know, I'm, I'm okay with him. The I think the situation, it's still a little up in the air for me. Um, I really kind of want to see maybe like that third game in preseason to see how they play that out. Um, you know, I, I got to believe, you know, if – just looking at it logically, Henry gets the first and second downs, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then Deion Lewis is third down. But if it's third and two, they might leave Henry in or they might put them both in. Uh, I can see them both being beneficial. PPR format for sure. They're both beneficial. Um, I, you know, I'm not drafting either one, you know, I, you know, before a, an RB2, um, you know, I might take one or the other as an RB2. I'd rather have one or the other as an RB3. I don't know if they'll fall back that far. I don't think so. I think their ADPs are probably both close to the late 20s, right? Yeah, Derrick Henry's going 36. He's the 18th back off the board. Okay. And Deion Lewis, the 27th back going 64th. Okay. So Lewis is, you know, just over that RB2, and Henry's within the RB2. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I could, you know, so I would say, in my opinion, the value is really more in Lewis in a PPR format. But, again, I'd have no problem if I'm sitting there and, you know, again, guys like Collins or Drake or some, all these guys are gone and Henry's sitting there. I, I'm okay with Derrick Henry as my RB2, especially if I have like a Gurley or Bell or, you know, where I'm very confident in the, in the consistency of my RB1, then I'm, you know, I'm certainly fine with Henry. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be a world beater. I'm not expecting him to be an RB1 overall at the end of the year. Um, but I think he can easily be an RB2. And I think that's a good point you make in the PPR leagues because we've got to remember Lafleur's coming over. He was with Atlanta with or with Washington with oh. uh, and Atlanta with um, Chris Shanahan. 
right. and those guys that love using the running back in the passing game. Right. We just saw Gurley torch PPR records almost felt like last year. He mm-hmm. was running the ball like crazy and catching the ball like crazy. Deion Lewis is phenomenal in that role. Derrick Henry does not have the best hands in the world. Right. Right. So right. it makes total sense what you're saying. You could almost enjoy the two-headed monster when it comes yeah. to fantasy. Yeah, no, it, it may be one of those like almost like Atlanta was a couple years ago with you know Devonta Freeman and, and, and Coleman, where they both could end up being easily one, uh, you know, an RB one, RB two, um, and, and be valuable. Let's get bold. Can they be this year's Saints of uh, Kamara? Ooh, I, and... I don't think they can both. Do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. Either. I don't think I don't think the offense is is made for that because Mariota Mariota is more of a you know running. You know, passing quarterback. He's not a Drew Brees. Um, you know, plus I just don't know if that. You know, th- that's a whole new situation for them. However, you know, they do play in a very poor division with the Colts and <laughs> and uh, you know the, the Texans are you know better defensively, but you know they had their issues. Um, and um, what's that division? Oh, Jack. Well, Jacksonville. That makes it tough. So uh, it might be a little tough. With It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah. If you had to pick between the Tennessee twosome or the Carolina twosome, which one would you rather have? Oh, definitely the Tennessee one. Okay, that's what I was yeah. wondering. Um, last one we want to hit on, and I think I've asked every guest that I've had. I've only <laughs> had three or four football ones so far, right. but this one's just perplexing to me. Um, Jarek McKinnon, I respect everything he does on the field. He's a very good running back when he's time-sharing. Um, he's never been that guy, and they want him to be that guy in San Francisco. He's the 13th back off the board going pick 23. What are you looking at the guy, Jared McKinnon, uh, coming into the year? Well, I'm going to the guy because really that's the only way to kind of explain, you know, this player uh, in my mind. And, you know, I look at, you know, so the profile says, you know, shows last three years, which all, all were in Minnesota, um, you know, his best years were the, basically the past two years he had six clutch games each so 38%, 40%, he missed a game in 16. Um, he was 17th in total points last year, which was respectable. But let's remember that they also lost, you know, um, Dalvin Cook early, and it was basically him and, and Latavius Murray. Um, you know, down the stretch, Latavius Murray became more the, the main back there than McKinnon. Mm-hmm. McKinnon only earned three clutch games after week nine. So I look at all of that. And I go, okay, based on that, not a fan. But now I look at the other side of this and go, okay, but this guy is going to a Kyle Shanahan Shanahan offense that is certainly one of the best at getting the most out of his running backs. He's calling McKinnon his Devontae Freeman, and he's calling Matt Breida his Tevin Coleman. And I go, okay, there's a positive side of this. So where am I at? And where I'm at is, first off, there's no way in hell I'm drafting that eye. <laughs> That's my That's thing. <laughs> if Jared McKinnon was, again, I kind of look at him like a Derrick Henry or, or a Deion Lewis. If I've got a Gurley, Bell, Johnson, Zeke, RB1, and I've got two good receivers and I'm in the fourth round and I'm looking at a McKinnon, I'm going – Oh, right, I'll take a shot. It's a PPR format. There's certainly potential. But I tell you what, I'm basically going to make sure I get Matt Breida later. Because if that kid doesn't work out, 
Matt Breida could become the Devontae Freeman <laughs> and yeah. he becomes a Tevin Coleman. Um, but there's no way I'm drafting him as high as, as he's at right now. It's just people are just out of control. I don't, I mean, you know, yes, he's got the potential. He's in the right situation, but he's still Jared McKinnon. And, he, you know, he's had opportunities to be the lead back. He was last year. He had it last year. And let, basically Latavius Murray pushed him out of the way the last five, six games of the year. And Latavius Murray was rushing for 100-some yards a game. So that tells me that and Latavius Murray is now still sitting pretty much on the bench. And yeah. McKinnon goes signs for $40 million. I didn't figure that one out at all. No. Especially after, especially after they let Hyde go. And Hyde yeah. signed for only $5 million in Cleveland. <laughs> That one, I have no clue what happened. I thought Hyde was great last year. I thought he was a perfect fit in that offense. You mentioned the consistency. Yep. And for $5 million, it's not like he's old and washed yeah, up. Like, right. Yeah, he's 26, 27 as well. He's only like a year I, older than, uh, than McKinnon, I think. My only guess is he had to go back to Ohio to collect his Buckeye ransom. That's that fine. He had man. to get in state. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was giddy. Until they drafted Nick Chubb, I had Carlos yeah. Hyde in the top 24. I, I had him as an RB2 all day long in Cleveland until they drafted Chubb. And now I'm kind of scared because they're just, I don't know what to expect out of this team. I'm still drafting Hyde like as my RB3 or four. Um, and I'll take a chance on that still because I still think he's the guy that should have the first opportunity to prove his worth. And if he knows Chubb's right behind him, then I think he'll go out there and play his ass off, especially the fact he's in Ohio again. But you know, so I'm 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 at least taking a shot with that. I'm not, I don't have to make him an RB two to do it, but he could end up pulling off. You know, being a pretty good value, I think. But we'll just have to wait and see because this is all. I mean, this whole team is so new in Cleveland. I don't even know what to expect. I live here, but you know, I'm excited <laughs> guys, for it, but I don't even know what to expect. I mean, good I God, about we, to say you, you guys had pretty a much of, rearrange our whole team. You guys had a heck of a makeover, but at least you did it with some real good talent like yeah like you yeah. said you don't know how it's going to come together but there's a lot of talent there now yeah yeah i mean it may take a few weeks but you know i can see us being at least very competitive I mean, we're definitely not going to lose every game i i don't know if we'll go eight and eight like mike clay says but i'm i'm, I'm hoping he's right <laughs> i haven't i haven't looked at the schedule hard enough but i have an idea of where it is based on where they finished last year six wins wouldn't shock me yeah and yeah, then i'd be okay with that yeah. No, and then you get that's already a great improvement. You maybe run into a couple more in a, you know field goal games, and heck, you never know. Yeah. So yeah, that could be. Like said, we catch catch the Steelers off guard with uh, Bell holding out, and mm-hmm. you know they kind of forget that they're playing the Browns, and the Browns are a different team. And next thing you know, we could knock them off in game one. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Well, Bob, that'll wrap things up. Why don't you give everybody uh, one last uh, notice on where to get the consistency guide and all that good stuff? I will. Thank you again for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Consistency Guide, you can get it on Amazon. The printed copy can be shipped to your door. If you're a Prime member, you get it in two days. Remember that. Uh, and, and today is Prime Day on Amazon. <laughs> Not that yeah. I'm getting any commission off that, but hey, I don't, I don't think they're giving, maybe they have my book on sale today. I don't know. You can give it a shot. Um, but you can get that on Amazon. Also, you can go to the Big Guy Fantasy Sports website where you can get a full access, $19.99. Get you the book, the tier draft list, the consistency report, all of the articles, all season long, 100% information. You can email me all your questions, be there for you as well. Uh, that's available. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. So again, thanks for having me, my friend. 
Always, man. Uh, I, I highly recommend it, people. I, I have a lot of people I like in the industry, and this is great, great content. He's a great guy that really, really knows his stuff, as you can tell. So go check it out. It's always a pleasure having Bob on the show. Um, it's a tradition unlike any other already. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing it again next time. Like you said, maybe we'll do it before the season starts again. Yeah, it's more yeah let's do this sometime mid, mid, mid-August. Yeah, we'll check it out. But until then, everybody, go check out the book, The Consistency Guide, over 175 player profiles. Great stuff for all your sports, season long, DFS, you name it, it's in there. Go check it out and um, check them on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. But this was Bench with Bubba, episode 106. Catch you guys next time.